Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. John chapter 9, I want to really quick uh, preface what we're going to talk about tonight since this is our last part in our series of why Jesus came. How many glad Jesus came? So as we get into this tonight, I want to explain to you real quick a couple things we've already touched on. As we, we are not exhausting all of why Jesus came. We're touching on really through this series the key things that we should be reminded of and how that should impact our life and change our life. One, if you don't know, and obviously many of you may have to turn to notes, but let me just help you by the Holy Spirit. Number one, he gave us the presence of God back. He restored God's presence in our life. So that's all about the blessing of knowing life once again, having a relationship with the Father, and the privilege to walk with Him every day because we have been reunited with the presence of God. See, I'm never alone. Because He lives in us, He will never leave us nor forsake us. There might be times you feel like it, but we don't go by how we feel. The Bible's clear. He does not leave us. He does not forsake us. His presence is returned to everybody who's received Christ as their Savior. Now, in connection with that, number two, the second thing he did, can anybody tell me without looking at notes? He brought back our true identity. Once we got God's presence back, we got the ability to once again find our true value, our true worth in life from our creator, not the creation. Now, sadly, a lot of Christians are still not walking in this, but I'll guarantee you when you learn it and you apply it, as I taught you and have taught in detail before, it will bring great strength and great security to your life because your value and worth should be found in God and God alone. And that will help you to truly be delivered and set free from a lot of the garbage and the stuff that goes on in this world that takes advantage of people. The third thing he did is he restored back what? Our God-given authority. What God had given to man in this earth to be able to go and subdue, have dominion. That was God-given authority to do so. It wasn't man's authority. It was literally God's. But he gave it to man to utilize it in this earth. Satan took advantage of it. The Bible says he became the God of this world. But thank you, Jesus, that when he was raised from the dead, he tells us clearly as he ascended to heaven and decreed this to his disciples, all authority in heaven and now in earth has been given to me. In other words, I got it back. And he didn't get it back for him. Got it back for us. We need to understand that authority as a believer, and we need to walk in it as a child of God. We're to trample on serpents and scorpions and over some of the power of the enemy. How much? All the power of the enemy. Just making sure you're awake. So the third thing he did is he returned this God-given authority to us that we had lost. Now on top of that, not only did he give us our God-given authority back, what else did he do? He destroyed the works of darkness. So not only did he return our authority back, all that came as a result of that fall of Satan getting a foothold in the earth through death, which we would acknowledge according to the scriptures, the works of darkness, the works of Satan, Jesus destroyed, 1 John 3, 8. He came that he might destroy the works of the devil so that you and I do not have to be what? Under the rule of death any longer. We don't have to be under the rule of the works of the devil. We are now under the rule of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did for us. Now, that's you and I walking out revelation of the blood, our confession, and acknowledging not our life, but his and what he did for us. Could I get an amen on that? And then on Sunday, we touched on the fifth thing that he did. He came to do what? Reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father to us, number five. Why did he come? Reveal the Father. Meaning what? Show us who he really was. Show us who he really is in relationship to the fact that God hasn't changed. I shouldn't say was who he is uh, because obviously he is and always will be. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen what? Seen the Father. And he revealed two powerful things to us about the Father that really everything else about God could be put under one of those two categories. He revealed to us that God is a good God. Very clear. And he also revealed to us that he is true love, what true love is all about. Amen? 
So we're moving on to our final one tonight in this series. We're going to touch on number six tonight. Before I get to it, I want to read some verses to you. John chapter 9, verse 1. If you're there with me, say amen. amen. So it says here in verse 1 of John 9, that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, which just means teacher, who sinned? Who sinned? Who caused this to happen, they thought, through sin? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Why was he born blind? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? What happened? Verse 3, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. It wasn't because of something they did in that essence directly. It was because of the fall of Adam in the garden. So it wasn't relating to that, notice this, but that the works of God, underline that please, that the works of God should be revealed. That the works of God should be revealed, what, in him. Now religious people take this verse and say, well God made him blind to show, him, to show, us, the world, uh, to show us in the world his power. God didn't need to make somebody blind to do that. God don't make blind people. Because if he did, obviously he wouldn't be good. Now, I know some people, yeah, but I know people have been born with defects. Well, guess what? It's a physical body that comes from the dust of the ground, which, by the way, if you don't remember, which connects with your, your, your mom and dad's body, that's where that all originally came from, which, if you don't remember, has been cursed. It has been affected by the fall. And this is why we also need to do our best to understand our authority when it comes to having children. The good thing is to know this. They're not a body. They're a spirit. It doesn't mean God still couldn't heal them. He did in this case. But I'm just telling you, the whole context of what some people take this to mean is, well, if God's going to display his works through this blind man, he must have made him blind so he could show his works. No. He's saying because of what happened in this earth, because of the very fact that all this came about due to the fall, which we've studied out in many different ways from the Bible, guess what you're about to see? The works of God. You're about to see the manifest works of God to show you that not even this blindness can stop God from working and doing what he wants to do. Look at verse 4, please. I must work the works of him. So verse 3, he said, uh, the works of God need to be revealed. What do they need to be? I want, I want you to hear me clearly tonight, church, because more than ever, do you know what that needs to happen in the earth? God's works need to be revealed. Jesus, verse 4, I must... I must, talking about him being here still directly, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And that's not talking about when Jesus dies. The night is talking about when the true church who is now the light of the world is gone. You're about to see this in multiple verses. So the night has not yet come. In the eyes of God, it's still day. Why? Because there's still light here. As long as there's light here, it's still day in the eyes of God. Meaning that this phrase about the night, read it again, verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And he's referring to the fact there's going to come a time when the light that's on the earth to be able to do these works will be removed. You listening? Well, when Jesus left, guess what? The light didn't leave. It's still here. You're about to see. You're that light. So as long as there is still light here, it is still day in the eyes of God. It is still a day to do the works of God to be revealed in the earth. You listening? Verse 5, as long as I, Jesus, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So as long as Jesus was here, who was the one who was the light doing the works? Jesus. Who was doing the works through him? The Father. Because clearly the disciples couldn't do this only except with the exception where he sent them out for a time to prepare them and enable them with the power of God to go do these same works. So here's what I want you to see clearly in these verses. Multiple times, there's Old Testament quotes over and over again. Isaiah 9 and other places that talk about Jesus coming as a light. As a light to the world. Multiple times Jesus calls himself the light of the world. He actually even refers to it directly in a couple other places in John's gospel. What I want you to see is this light reflects the works of the Father. I'm going to say it again. This light reflects 
the works of the Father. What's the purpose of the light? To reflect the works of the Father. Or to say it this way, if you want, instead of say reflect, reveal. If, if something reflects something, it's revealed. You see it, right? A reflection. You see a reflection of something. Oh, if you look into a mirror, oh, you now see what is a reflection revealed of you in that mirror. I don't care how you say it. Reflect, reveal. Here it says reveal. The works of God are to reflect or to reveal. Excuse me. The light of God is to reflect or reveal the works of the Father. You listening? And again, he said clearly in verse 3 that it was because the works of God could be revealed. This man has been affected by darkness, but light's going to change that. And I must work these works of him. I must work these works of him. Oh, I wish we would all wake up every day and say that. I must work the works of him, the Father, who has now sent us. What are we talking about tonight? Why Jesus came. We'll talk about the sixth reason as to why Jesus came to the earth. So he himself said, I got to do these works because verse 5, as long as I'm here, I'm the light. Look at it, verse 4. I must do the works of him who sent me. Why? Verse 5. Because as long as I'm here, I'm the light. I'm the light. I'm here to get rid of the darkness. I'm here to go out and spread the light of God doing what? His works. How do you you spread the light of God? Doing his works. If you go do his works, what do you bring? Light. What do you remove? Darkness. Because guess what? Blindness removed, that was darkness. That man healed what was now revealed. Light. Through what? The works of God. This world needs to see the light of our God. The biggest problem with most people is you got to realize they've never seen the light of God. They've seen a bunch of religiosity. They've seen a bunch of religious people who claim to know God, claim to walk with God, who have never ever in any way reflected the very power of God in the earth in a way of the works being done where his light can be seen. You lay hands on somebody, they get healed. Guess what just got revealed? The, The very light of God through the works that happened. You listening? You cast out a demon. Let me help with what you just did. You just reveal what? The light of God. See, the light of God is the manifest presence of God doing his works through us. If you, if you pray for somebody for salvation, ladies and gentlemen, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Why? That, that spirit is reborn. That's miraculous. What just happened? The light of God revealed the, the aspect of God's works and removed the darkness. Any good amens on that? So Jesus said, say Jesus said. Jesus said, as long as I'm here, I'm this light. Now before I get into us for just a moment, go to John 14. I want, since we're right here in the gospel of John, try to make this a little easier walk to tonight because we're going to go through uh, a little few more verses than normal. Not a whole lot, but a few. I want you to see this in John 14. So as he moves on through the gospel here of John, he gets to chapter 14. In chapter 14, if you remember, we talked about this on Sunday. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one can know the Father except through him. He went on to talk, of course, clearly that if you've seen me again, because he revealed the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Now notice verse 12. Notice what he says after that. So Jesus said, I I don't have time to reread it, but if you were here Sunday, verses 7 down through 11 are simply Jesus saying, if you've seen me, come on somebody, if you've seen me, what? Look at verse 11 for extra, little extra notice about what we're talking tonight. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or... Or else at least what? Believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Every time Jesus did a work for God in healing the blind, in preaching the gospel, in any aspect of what he did to bring forth what is clearly the works of God, what was he doing? Shining the light. Shining the light. But notice what he picks up on right after he talks about believing him for the works themselves. The works themselves. We're going to say this over and over again. What was he here to do? Reveal the works of the Father. Watch this, 12. That's not our point tonight. 12, look at, most assuredly I say to you. So now he turns the tables here. He said, so you, you, if you want to believe in the Father, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now he turns around to his disciples and said, most assuredly, that's an absolute. When he said most assuredly, he said, it's this way and no other. 
That's the way you should understand that phrase. When Jesus ever says, most assuredly, let me help you with a little better English understanding in our vernacular. You ready? It's this way and no other. Period. Meaning what? Take this to the bank, man. This is an absolute. What did he say? It's this way and no other. I say to you. Say he's talking to me. I say to you. Say he's talking to me. I say to you, he who what? Qualifier. He who believes in me. He who believes in me. He who believes in me. Underline it. The works that I do, he will do also. What was he doing by doing the works of the Father? Shining the light. Wait a minute. Now he's turning the, now he's turning the, the, the direction back to me and you. If you believe in me, the works I do, what will you do? Come on. What will you do? What will you do? Say, I'll do them also. And greater works than these he uh, he will do because I go to my Father. I've told you this before. You've got to bring it up every time. The greater works is going to the Gentile nations. Jesus came for the Jews. We, We were sent to go to all of the Gentile nations. That's greater in size, greater in scope. You're not going to do mightier miracles than Jesus did. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's like the book of John says. If every miracle account of what Jesus did was written... I perceive there's not enough books that contain all the works of what he did. You're not going to do greater miracles. Some would say, well, that's salvation. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He didn't get anybody saved. You didn't read your Bible very good. He did get his disciples saved. He breathed on them before he left and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He did get them born again. He did cause that miracle to happen. So a lot of people bring up other stuff. The greater is just in context to going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Now listen to verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name. So what's the key to doing these works? Whatever you ask in my name. Now notice it doesn't say ask the Father. I taught you this before. It doesn't say ask Jesus. No. It just says whatever you ask in my name. Notice I will do. Come on. Whatever you ask in my name. That I will do. Why? Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. How's the Father getting glorified? Because we're doing His works. We're doing His work. You do the works of the Father, guess who gets glorified? The Father does. Because it's His works. What are you doing when you're doing, when you're doing the works of the Father? Shining your light. Shining your light. Verse 14. Again, if you ask anything in my name, I will what? Now, anytime he emphasizes something twice, he does so because he knows most of the time we weren't paying attention the first time he said it. So the word ask here is not a petition word. It's not in the Greek language a request or a petition of God. That's not what it means. This word is actually a similar Greek, uh, is the same Greek word in different applications. And in this context, the actual definition is the word demand. Again, he didn't say demand of me. He didn't say demand of the Father. He said, whatever you demand in my name. What do you have a right to demand in his name? Whatever Satan is trying to hinder the works of God with, wherever Satan and darkness is at work, you have the right to be able to take the name of Jesus, shine your light, command those that their work of darkness to leave. You listening? And Jesus said, if you do that, I will even aspect, just like I was right there, an aspect, I will see that it's done. Whatever you demand in my name, I'll do it, praise God. Can I get a better amen? amen? So you and I can do according to what we just read about John 9. In the time that Jesus was on the earth, he at the time said, I'm the light of the world while I'm still here. And what was the proof he was the light? He was doing the works. He was revealing the works of the Father. And in that very setting, healing a blind man. Can I get a better amen? I want you to never forget the works of the Father and revealing the light are the same thing. The same thing. We're not shining our light if we're really not doing the works of the Father. Are you ready for number six tonight? The sixth reason why Jesus came. You ready? So what did he do in the fifth one? What did he Remind me what he did in the fifth one. He came to reveal the Father... To us. Number six, you ready? He came to reveal the Father through us. Through us. How do we reveal the Father through us? Shine your light. You do the works of the Father and the Father is revealed. Everywhere Jesus went and did the works of the Father who was being revealed, the Father was. So all that we've talked up to at this point of the first five things, they were all for your benefit. 
Now, this one is as well. A lot of people don't see that. But this really is something that really honestly doesn't focus on us. It focuses on others. Jesus didn't die just so that you could get everything you wanted. Jesus died so he could reveal the Father through you. He's not here anymore personally. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Guess what he needs you doing? Guess what he needs you doing? Oh, I'm not called to do that. You still breathing? Do you believe in him? You see, the problem here is the very first qualifier in John 14, 12. If you'll believe in me. If you'll believe in me. What are we here to do? We're actually here to let Jesus reveal the Father through us. By doing what? The same works. The same works. I'm going to give you three qualifiers. One, you got to believe in Jesus. What do you mean? I don't mean just believe in him for salvation. You're not going to ever shine the light of what God's given you, of the works of the Father in the earth, if you don't do what? If you don't have active faith in what Jesus said. In this context, when Jesus said in John 14, 12, he who believes in me, look at the absolute. Again, most assuredly means what? It's this way and no other. I said it's this way and no other. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, notice this. It doesn't say he might do them. What did he say? Why are Christians not doing them? They obviously don't believe in him. Read it. It's an absolute. He who believes in me, the works I do, he will do. He will do. What if I'm not doing the works of the Father? What if I'm not doing the same things Jesus did, shining the light by doing the very works of the Father in the earth? Guess what you're not doing? Believing in Jesus. Oh, pastor. No, no, no. I believe in him. I'm born again. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, do you believe what I'm telling you here? Do you believe what I'm saying? Evidently, a lot of Christians don't because they're not doing the works of the Father. And it got really quiet in this church, what's making me nervous when I got to that point. I want you to hear this clearly. If we're not doing the works of the Father, we're not putting our faith in that statement. You listening? We're not putting our faith in that statement. Jesus said, if you believe in me, the works I do, you will do also. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if I believe in what Jesus just told me, that means that as I put my faith in his statement, guess what I'm going to wind up seeing? The works of Jesus. The works, excuse me, the works of the Father through me. And what am I going to do? Reveal the Father to the world. Come on, by shining my light. Tell your neighbor, time to get your light turned up. Time to get your light turned up. Come on, tell somebody, you need to turn up that flickering wick of yours. Praise the Lord. You listening? A lot of Christians are like flickering wicks, man. They're like close to going out. Can I help you with something? This is borderline relationship to the wise and foolish virgins. Guess what the wise are doing? Guess what the wise are doing? They are. They're shining. How are they shining their light? They're doing the works of the Father. They're doing the works of the Father. That's why their light is shining. That's why their lamp is bright and burning. Because they're doing the works of the Father. What if they're not? I'll tell you what. They're on borderline position of being a foolish virgin. Let's say Jesus. You listening? Their lamp started going out. Didn't it? I said, didn't it? Come on, somebody. They had no extra oil. Meaning what? Full of the Holy Ghost. Say it again. I know. One of the reasons Jesus came is to reveal the Father through me. Why would you not want to reveal the Father to this world? Go to Matthew 5. I hope you're with me tonight. That's three of you. Thank you, Clayton. Matthew 5. Praise the Lord. Go to Matthew 5. This is so powerful. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to see a benefit in your own life as well in relating to doing the works of the Father. But that's not why we do it. It's not why we do it. If we are so grateful for what Jesus has done to create this miracle of new birth in us, how about other things he may have done? Why would we not want that for other people? I got a concern that the body of Christ as a whole really doesn't care that much about what God has done for them as it relates to other people because they seem to not want to be able to help other people get what they got. You still here? Did you go home on me? No. You mad at me now? Yeah. Did you throw me out the door already? Yeah. <laughs> Matthew 5. 
This is powerful, man. This is what real living's all about. Because this is how Jesus lived the kind of life he lived. Jesus lived the kind of life he lived because guess what he said? I didn't come down here to do my will. I came to do the Father's will. This is putting the kingdom first and seeing all those things added unto you. Matthew 5. You still with me? 14. Now notice what Jesus says here. You're the light. What are you saying, John? I'm the light. As long as I'm here, I'm the light. And as, as I am the light of the world, while it's still day, I have to work. Well, he's no longer doing a work directly himself. But guess who should be? Because we're still the light. Come on, somebody. You're the light of the world. Who's the light of the world now that Jesus is gone? Don't say Jesus. You are. Who's that light? The Father. The Father in us. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be what? If you build a city up on the top of a hill, you're going to see it. Even at night, guess what? It won't be dark. I mean, I can remember one time, Kathy and I, I think it was Christmas. We were going to Albuquerque, little tiny Corolla, driving to Albuquerque, going through these mountains, going up through the uh, northern route, up through Amarillo, and then you go through these mountains over into Albuquerque. And I'm telling you what, those mountains are tall. They're high. And man, it was snowing like crazy. And there's so much snow on the ground, you can't see the road anywhere. You can't see a single bit of the road anywhere. It's just nothing. And there ain't a car for miles. I'm telling you what, two people never prayed in the Holy Ghost so hard. <laughs> Hoping to get, because there's nothing. You're, there's nothing. There's no gas station. There's no place to stop. And we're driving. We're not in a four-wheel drive here like I got now. We're in a little Corolla. Little, little, little Toyota Corolla, man, just putt-putting along, you know, cruising along about 25, 30. And I mean, it's, snow, it's coming down, man. And so here we are driving along, and I'm trying not to get Kathy any more nervous. I said, it's okay, Kathy. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. And we just kept driving. How did you stay on the road? There's only one way. You had to look for the growth of the, of the actual, you know, like uh, uh, weeds and stuff and sticking up out of, the, out of the snow on the side of the road. It's the only way you could tell where the road was. Half the time, we didn't know if it was on the road or not. <laughs> Ask her. I'm not kidding. But all of a sudden, I said, all of a sudden, we broke through that mountain. And guess what we saw? Out upon the context of the ridge of the side of a hill out there, we're out, we saw lights coming from the city. Whoo, man, was that a cool feeling. We made it. We made it. You don't put a city up on a hill and not see it even when it's darkest at night. It shines a light for everybody around to see. Verse 15, nor do you light a lamp. You're a lamp. You're a lamp. I said, you're a lamp. Nor do they light a lamp and do what? Put it under a basket. You know what I have a concern about? With so many Christians, they got a basket over them. They put themselves under a basket. Basket of what? Their own desires, their own will, their own wants, their own ways, their own thoughts, their own lives. You don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. You put a lamp, you put it up where? Up on a lampstand in a home. You don't put it on a table and cover it. You had a specific stand for the lamp, a lampstand, where you put it up on that lampstand so that obviously it lit up the whole area of that room. But you put that lamp on a lampstand and it gives light to who? Who does it give light to? Gives light to all who are in the house. 16, let your light so shine before men. What are you doing about this? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Come on, somebody tell me. What is good works? The works of the Father. What Jesus did. What Jesus did. This isn't talking about trying to live a life of, again, religiosity to show somebody because I go to church and I do all these things. I No, we're talking about the works of the Father. Right. Talking about manifesting the works of the Father. Amen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Tell me. Glorify your Father in heaven. So we know he's talking about the works of the Father because if you obviously do the works of the Father, who are you going to glorify? You know why you're going to glorify him? Because you're going to reveal the Father. You know, we, we, we ran into this again. We were at, we were at a restaurant this weekend, man. And I mean, this restaurant we're at, we see a little, little server we hadn't seen in a long time. She'd been to gone to school. She, we walk in the door. She was coming through a side area, and she saw she'd come running. Oh, man, I miss you guys. Oh, 
And, and you know, we go sit down and we go sit down. She shows up over at our table. And then all of a sudden, here comes one of the managers and he starts talking to us. And then one of the other managers comes over and starts talking to us. And the gal that was our server who's new to the restaurant, she's like, man, everybody knows you here. <laughs> It's like, my God, every time I turn around, a manager, one of the managers sat down in our booth with us and started talking, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you why, folks, I'm going to tell you why, because we do everything we can to shine our light and to do the works of the Father. I remember one little gal who had gone through a deal where she had slammed a finger to the door and had this thing on, you know, on her finger and all that stuff. And I said, can we pray for you? She said, yeah, could you do that? Absolutely, man. I'm going to tell you what I'm out to do. Works of the Father. Works of the Father. I want people to see his light, praise God. Not mine. I want them to see his light. I'm the light in the sense that the Father's works are in me. Well, guess what? They're in you. 16, church, come on. Let your light so shine. 2024, and until the rapture, or you go to be home with Jesus. Come on, make it your life's goal. Let your light so shine. Where? Before men. You can't be afraid of men. Can't be afraid of people. You can't be afraid to talk to them. Can't be afraid to love them. I'm going to tell you one of the easiest ways to catch people's attention, open a door to witness to people and minister to them. You ready? You ready? Ask them questions about them. Because you know who people like talking about more than anybody else? Themselves. They love it, man. They love it. And they'll go on and on and just talk about themselves and talk about... I know none of you do that. They just talk about themselves and talk about themselves. But you know what? We don't just, quote unquote, do that for something to do and just to kind of go through the motions. We listen. Why? I'm looking for opportunity. You didn't hear me. I'm looking for opportunity. See, I listen to people's conversations because I'm looking for opportunity. Is there something I can pray with them about there? Is there something I could do to minister to them? Is there something I could do to reveal the Father to them? In the midst of conversation, one of the, we we prayed for Monday night. One of the one of the managers got a sister. She's been you know diagnosed with cancer, and so man, right? How could you not take that open door? She's not there, we, but we told her, we're going to pray for her. We meant it. We don't say, hey, we're going to pray for her. Just, okay, we're going to pray for her. Don't ever tell somebody you're going to pray for them and don't do it. You're not doing the works of the Father. We said, we got a Monday night prayer team. We're going to pray for her Monday night. We're going to bring her before the Lord and pray for her. And my first question, see, I don't ever do that without going to the next step. You ready? Uh, I guarantee it's really simple. Door's wide open. Does she know Jesus? Does she know the Lord? Because if she doesn't, that's going to get on my prayer list. Yeah, she knows it. I said, praise God. Then you help her understand she's got hope in Christ. She can defeat this in Jesus' name. You, you need to help her understand she can curse this thing. We're going to agree in the name of Jesus. But I'll tell you what, man, that just shows people there's the works of the Father. You know what Jesus did? He listened to people. Amen. You know why he listened to them? He did love them, but you know why he listened to them? He's looking for opportunity to reveal the Father. Because who's truly loved? The Father. Absolutely he loved him. But I'm going to tell you what he's doing. He's looking for opportunity to reveal the Father. In every conversation. In every situation. What are you doing day in, day out with people you're around? Are you looking for opportunity? If you're not, you're not shining your light. See, your light won't shine if you don't look for opportunity. It's out there every day. This world you live in today, you kidding me? It's out there every single day. You and I should so let our light shine that we are doing what? That we are bringing glory to our Father because we're doing what? What are we doing? We're doing the works of the Father. Just like Jesus did. So what's the first qualifier? I got to believe what Jesus said. If Jesus said I can do the works, guess what? Guess what? If Jesus said I can do what he did, guess what? You know what I need to start saying? We were, it was on my heart Monday night when we were praying. I started having people in this room confess it. I'm anointed. Go to Acts 1. I'm anointed by God. I am anointed to be a witness. I am anointed to lay hands on the sick. I am anointed to cast out demons. I am anointed to raise the dead. Don't think you're not. Because you got the same Holy Ghost in you Jesus had. So what this world needs to see more than ever, they need to see the Father. The biggest problem with the world today is they're not seeing him. They're not seeing him. You know what they're seeing? They're seeing this liar, this deceiver called Satan. Through all the voices that voice for him, all the detriment and all the destructiveness and all the death of the world. 
You know why that's such a loud voice today? Because sadly, there's not enough voices bringing forth light. You listening? What does light do? Listen, bring darkness into any room and bring a flashlight with you. I don't care how dark it is, turn that flashlight on and guess what just happened? Darkness left. You listening? There's no flash dark. There's flashlights, but there's no flash dark. Why? Because there's nothing to put out the light. If you have light there and you're shining it, guess what? There's nothing to put out the light. You didn't hear me. If you have light there, guess what? There's nothing to put out the light. Darkness doesn't put out light. Cannot do it. If you've got light present, darkness cannot put out the light. The only time darkness rules is when the light is not on. But if you're shining your light, guess what darkness can't do? Put it out. And that's the benefit to you because it can't take advantage of you. Jesus said, in another context of John, I'll just quote, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. See, there's so many more verses I want to touch on on this. He who follows me, the word follow means imitate, do the works. He who does the works I did, guess what? Darkness. He said, darkness will not overtake them. So it won't only be that you're revealing the Father to others and bringing them out of darkness when you're walking in the light. Guess what darkness can't do? And I'm preaching better than your amen. If I'm walking in the light, revealing the works of the Father, helping others, guess what darkness can't do in my life? It can't overtake me because darkness cannot turn light out. You're the only one that can turn the light out. That's good. By not doing the works of the Father, not shining your light. In Acts chapter 1, come on, you know the verses. Acts 1 verse 4, being assembled together with them, Jesus did what? He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. They're already born again. Say they're already born again. You know this because back in John chapter 20 and verse 22, he already breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now he's about to send to heaven. What's the promise of the Father? It's not salvation. The promise of the Father is to now be what? Immersed in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Baptized in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Why? So you can go do what? Do the works of the Father. Be a witness of the Father. He commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem. Verse 4, wait from the promise of the Father which he said, you've heard from me. 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you'll be what? Baptized. So John immersed you in water, but guess what's about to happen? You got this Holy Ghost in you, boys and girls, but you're about to get immersed in him. You're about to, he's going to come upon you. He's not just going to be in you anymore. He's going to be upon you. What's going to happen when he's going to, what, what is going to happen when the Holy Ghost gets upon you? Your light's going to shine. You're going to do the works I'm doing. The works of the Father. John truly baptized with water, verse 5, but you'll be baptized, immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is what makes this church here different from almost any other church in this area. I thank God for what every other church does. I don't know of another church in this area that teaches the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not against churches that don't. I'm I'm glad they're helping people know Jesus. This is why we say we are a full gospel. We want full good news. Thank God for what we have of good news that are being revealed by the churches. But I want the whole, uh, the whole God, the full good news. Verse 6, notice, therefore when they had come together, they asked him, Jesus saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they're still thinking the natural kingdom. Verse 7, he said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father's put in his own authority. In other words, just quit worrying about all that stuff. Quit fo- Here's your focus. You ready? Verse 8. You shall receive power. Come on. You shall receive power. Another, another way to say it, your light's going to get illuminated. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's done what? Come upon you. And you shall be what? What will you be? Come on. What will you be? You're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, all the ends of earth. How are we going to, we're going to be a witness to Jesus? Yes. You're going to be a living testimony of John 14, 12. What's a witness to Jesus? Fulfilling what he said in John 14, 12. 
I will become a witness of showing fulfillment of what he said would happen in John 14, 12. He said, if I believe in him, the works he did, I will do also. The works he did, I will do. How am I going to become a witness to that? Baptized in the Holy Ghost. You become baptized in the Holy Ghost, you'll become a witness to what I said that it's true. That I didn't lie to you. That I told you the truth. That you can do the works. Because you believed it. Hallelujah. So guess what we need to do? Get baptized and stay immersed in the presence of the Holy Ghost. How did Jesus do what he did? Acts 10, 38, I got anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. You're going to do this by what? You're going to do the works of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the first qualifier? Believe him. Believe you can do it. 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 What's the second qualifier? Stay yielded to the Holy Spirit. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Jesus didn't need to pray in the Holy Spirit. He wasn't affected by a natural context of a body like you and I are. We've been given the ability to pray in the Holy Ghost so we can connect with the Spirit of God. Well, God himself provided Jesus direct connection with him through time he spent with him. What's one of the easiest ways we can connect with God? Praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Spirit, what are you doing? You're talking to the Father. You're building yourself up spiritually. Come on, somebody. And you are in a position to be ready to be yielded to the Holy Spirit however he chooses to use you. When I talk about the conversation with people... And I'm looking for opportunity. I'm not thinking through my brain, what do I need to come up with here? I'm listening to my heart. I'm listening to my spirit. I don't always in conversations with people who may talk about a situation with some physical issue or whatever. I don't always feel led to say we're going to pray for them. I don't always feel led to pray for them. I might talk to them about their relationship with the Lord. Jesus didn't go pray for every single person he passed for disease and sickness or or issues in their body. you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Stay yielded to the Holy Spirit. And when you're led by the Holy Spirit, guess what you're going to see? Works of the Father. Even in relationship to healing, did Jesus heal every blind man the same? No, he did not. Did he he heal every cripple the same? No, he did not. And therefore, you got to do what? Stay yielded to the Holy Spirit. What's the qualifier, folks, for us to reveal the Father? One, believe what Jesus said. Two, do what? Stay yielded to the Holy Spirit. Number three, go to 2 Timothy. Come on, can you get two more verses in tonight? 2 Timothy. Man, we're doing good. I haven't even gone two hours yet. 2 Timothy, chapter (laughs) 2. I was just seeing if you're paying attention when I said that. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. I'm not going two hours, so don't get nervous. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. You know, it's amazing to me still today people make this big deal about church. Well, I just can't go to church. I don't have time to go to church. Well, you wouldn't have spent much time with Jesus in his day. You know where he was according to the scriptures day in and day out? He was in the synagogues teaching in the synagogue. If you wanted to hear Jesus, you had to spend some time in church, man. 2 Timothy chapter 2. What's the first qualifier to reveal the Father that you and I have the ability to do through shining our light? Number one, believe what Jesus said. What's the second one? Tell me. Stay yielded. Say, stay yielded. I mean, if you're already baptized in the Holy Ghost, what do you got to do? Stay yielded to the Holy Ghost. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Number three, 2 Timothy chapter 2, watch this, verse 20. In a great house. That's actually referring to the earth. It's not referring to heaven. It's not referring to God's house. It's referring to the earth, as you're about to see. In a great house, there are what? They're not only vessels of gold and silver, but there's also vessels of what? Wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. God doesn't put vessels in his house for dishonor. There are people in the earth who are not going to honor God with their life. They're not going to give their lives to Jesus. You listening? This, This is proven by scholars in the scriptures to follow. The great house is talking about this earth where in relationship to all these people, where are they housed at? In the earth. That's the term. Where they house that? In the earth. Some are what? Some are vessels of honor. But some are what? Vessels of dishonor. Not willing to yield to God. Not wanting to have God in their life. Not wanting to submit their life to God. 
How do we know? Read on. Listen, verse 21. If anyone cleanses himself from what? The latter. What's the latter? Dishonor. Dishonor. If anyone cleanses himself for the latter, what will he be? A vessel for? To bring what? Honor to God. How are you going to bring honor to God? Shine your light. How are you going to bring honor to God? Do his works. Notice this. Anybody who cleanses himself from the latter will be a vessel for honor. What will he be? Sanctified and useful for who? Tell me. Come on, somebody. Sanctified and useful for who? The master. Prepared for what? Oh, every good work. What's the good work? The works of the Father. Works of the Father. But I have to do what? I got to cleanse myself from those. Listen, the first context of what this is telling you here in verse 21 and 20 and 21 is there are people who are dishonorable in their lifestyle and where they live don't want anything to do with God or even might be believers instead dishonoring God with their life. And then there are those who are honorable. You have to cleanse yourself from those who are dishonoring God with their life because if you don't, they will affect your life. Are you listening? He just told you there's vessels in a great house. There's both those of honor and those that are dishonorable. Cleanse yourselves from the dishonorable ones. Hang out with the honorable ones. And you'll do what's necessary to start preparing to be a vessel of honor. Choose your friends carefully because even the wicked, the dishonoring ones will lead you astray. The warning here in 20 and 21 is be careful who you hang out with. Moving on, you still with me? 22, flee also what? Youthful lust. Pursue what? Righteousness. Now that's not receiving the gift of righteousness. That's simply being and doing what's right in the sight of God. Pursue it. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace. Notice again, with those. With those who call on the Lord out of what? A pure heart. 23, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they do what? Generate strife. You better stay away from slanderers. You better stay away from strifers and people that just simply want to dishonor God, talk against others, talk behind the back of other people. Come on, somebody. 24, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Must not, must not. But must be gentle to all, able to what? Able to teach. Patient. Notice, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. To who? Not you. To God. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Now, God would. That just means that if he knows their heart desires to turn, then he will do so. 26, that they may do what? Come to their senses and escape what? The snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him. Did you hear that? Having been taken captive. This isn't talking about believers. Excuse me. Uh, This isn't talking about sinners. It's talking about believers. It's talking about believers who have been taken captive by Satan. To do his will. They've given into deception. They've given into lies. They've given in all kinds of stuff they shouldn't be doing. Pastor Barclay said in a prophetic word from the Lord. The number one weapon of the enemy in the last days will be slander. And boy are they experiencing that. Where does slander start? You start talking behind people's backs. Let me help you really quick. I got to get through this real quick. Let me help you real quick. If you disagree with somebody in any situation in the body of Christ, if you disagree with a decision they made, something they've said, something they've done, you don't go talk to other people. You don't. You don't ever go to another person if you're disagreeing with somebody. If you disagree with something I said, something I've done, whatever, guess what you don't do? You don't go to another believer in the body. You don't go to an elder. You don't go to deacon. Guess who you go to? You go to me. What if it's not a pastor? Let's say I disagree with Wes. Guess what I'm not supposed to do? Go talk to Kathy about that. I'm not supposed to go talk to Bill or talk to Josh or talk to anybody else about that. Justin, I'm supposed to go talk to Wes. You got out against somebody, you go to them. You know why the devil wants us to talk about others behind their back with others? It's called slander. It's called gossip. And the devil loves it because it starts causing him to give opportunity to begin to work in that situation. You listening? And then people often part from ones they shouldn't. 
because they started doing something they shouldn't have done. And those people who are doing such things don't even realize it. Guess what? They've fallen into a snare. When an animal falls into a snare, he never would had he known the snare was there. But guess what he's doing? He's going down the wrong path. And because he's going down the wrong path, guess what happens? He gets caught into a snare. You listening to me? And if people aren't willing to listen to you in correction in relationship to what they're doing, let me help you. Next time somebody comes to you to talk about somebody else, here's how you correct them. You ready? You don't need to be talking to me about this. I'm not even getting beyond the 30-second, one-minute mark of you talking to me about somebody else. You listening? If you got a problem with somebody else and you're coming to me, wrong person, you need to go to them. You know, I've already gone to them. Well, have you talked to them about it? Yeah. Did you really explain your situation? Yeah. Well, then guess what, folks? You pray for them. Amen. If you disagree, you pray for them. This isn't talking about dealing with people in key positions in the church that's affecting the church that you then bring it later to leadership and then bring it to the church. Not what it's talking about. This is talking about, talking about people in general, period. Can I get a better amen? amen. What if it's leadership? What if we go to the pastor? He doesn't listen to us. Let me help you. Let me help you. You still don't go to somebody else in this church. If you got a problem, guess what you do? You come back to me, and guess what I'll do? I'll get you in contact with my pastor if you really can prove that what I'm doing is out of line and wrong. I have no problem being corrected by my leadership. Let me help you who are not my correctors, elders. You listening to me? Elders are not my correctors. Deacons are not my correctors. I have a pastor. I have a shepherd. I have leadership. Should I go to your pastor behind your back? No, you should not. You should come to me and ask, could I talk to your leadership? If I deny you that, clearly, then I'm wrong. Because if you really got something to prove that you can actually show that is wrong, and I don't agree with you, I'm happy to have my pastor or Terry Myers address it and correct it and get it fixed. We want it fixed. We don't want strife and division. Come on, somebody. We don't want going down the wrong direction or the wrong path. This is all talking about what? Being useful for the master. How does Satan take advantage of Christians to keep them from being useful from the master? They don't pay attention to the people they hang out out with and who they listen to. If you're going to start slandering other people, me and you are done talking. You listening? And if every time I get around you, it's always about somebody else. We're finished. I'm not meeting with you anymore. I'm not fellowship. If that's what we're going to do, I'm not fellowshipping with you. Because all we're going to do is open a door for Satan to take advantage here and get us both caught in a snare. And the moment he does that, guess where you're at now? You're deceived. You know what the Bible says? Literally, it's very clear over and over in Scripture. Wisdom is proven by her children. What does that mean? The truth is, if they're walking in Bible wisdom, guess what? They're not going to turn around and start going more carnal and worldly. And the sad truth is, you look at slanders and stuff and what they do, I'll tell you what they don't do. They don't start dressing more godly. They don't start living more godly. They start living more ungodly. Why? They've been taken by a snare. Oh, man, I got to stop here because I'll tell you what, this is an area that Christians got to learn. They got to understand that the proof of what Jesus said, wisdom is known by her children. You might think that this person loves God with all their heart, but guess what's proven whether or not they really do? What is their lifestyle like? What are they producing of their life? If all of a sudden now that they've quote unquote come out from under whatever situation they're in, now all of a sudden they're showing more cleavage and they're showing more of this and more of that and their language has changed and they're hanging out with different people. Let me help. If they're going more worldly, let me tell you what that tells you. They're going the wrong direction. Sadly, they've been caught in a snare. If you can help them and you can correct them, do so. Thus saith the Bible. But if they're unwilling to receive it, guess what you got to do? I love you, but I'm moving on because I want to stay clean as a vessel prepared for the master. Right? Jesus did not talk about the Pharisees behind their back. Yeah, he did. He talked to his disciples. No, he warned his disciples about what they were doing. He did not talk about them in a personal sense. When he talked, he had no problem looking at them in the face and saying, you whitewashed sepulchers. He didn't go behind their back. He looked him right in the face. Can I get a better amen? If you go say that about somebody, but you can't say it to their face, you don't need to be saying it (laughs) at all. Hallelujah. What's the third qualifier? 
to reveal the Father. You got to keep yourself cleansed as a vessel of honor. You got to keep yourself cleansed as a vessel of honor. If you keep yourself cleansed as a vessel of honor, God can flow through you. Don't let Satan take advantage of your life through these things. Any good amens? You have to cleanse yourself from those who are dishonoring to God. It doesn't mean they're not believers and we don't love them. We're all a part of the body. Thank you, Jesus. May we all get to heaven and rejoice and have a great time. But here on earth, I want to be as effective for God as I can be. And I can't do that, according to the scriptures, if I'm not cleansing myself from that which is dishonoring in a big house. Right? Talking about relation. Now you understand again, we're not talking about baby Christians here. Baby Christians are like little infants. Guess what they're going to do? Spit up again and again. They're going to cause a mess again. You're going to clean it up. Huh, moms and dads? Yeah. But after they've been walking with God for a number of years? I'll get off of this. I can see you're no longer excited about my message. But this is being a vessel of honor that is sanctified and ready for the master to use. And God's saying, this can affect you. This can affect your ability to be used by God. Last set of verses. Can I give you one more set? Romans 1. Come on. Just two two verses. Romans chapter 1. Say, praise the Lord, somebody. What are we talking about? Revealing the Father. What if the world started seeing the Father? Woo, come on. What if the world started seeing the Father through the church? Through the works of God. Through the works of the Father. Man, I'll tell you what, we'd see a whole lot more people coming to Jesus. They'd realize this God's really good. He healed my body. He delivered me from bondage. He freed me from oppression. Hallelujah. I felt the presence. I mean, this goes back to even in the setting of a situation where I can remember in Roanoke, where I was in the sanctuary one day doing some work. And all of a sudden, a little gal walked through the door. And she walked up and she said, sir, are you the pastor here? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, would you pray for me? I said, sure, be glad to. What can I pray with you about? Well, I'm going through this battle. I'm battling all this stuff and I've just lost my peace and on and on and on. She said, you know, I don't know what it is about you Christians. But when you pray for me, peace comes. I said, do you know Jesus? She said, let me tell you right up front. I'm a Muslim. I already know all, I've been witness to many times. I already know all about all this Jesus stuff. But I'm a Muslim. I'm a practicing Muslim. I said, now ma'am, isn't this interesting? You're a Muslim who serves a God who you think is the same God I serve, who gives me peace, but he doesn't give you peace. Proven by the fact you go find people like me to pray for you and peace comes. Wouldn't that tell you something? She kind of looks at me. I never thought about that. And I said, let me help you. And of course, I started talking about salvation and all that. Got away from all the Muslim stuff, just talking about her heart. And I said, I'll still be happy to pray for you. But listen, the reason that you experience peace when a believer prays for you is because they've got peace. And guess what you don't have? And I'm going to tell you why. Because you don't know my Jesus. The Prince of Peace. Now I pray for you. So I prayed for her. I got done. Big smile came on her face. She said, there's that peace again. I said, you listen to what I asked you to, to, to consider. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, until you give your life to Jesus, you're not going to have peace. You're going to be damned for eternity if you don't listen to what the Bible says. I went through the process where there's a Muslim. I said, do you believe the Quran? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Have you read it? Most of it. I said, so if you believe the Quran, you got a real big problem. She said, what do you mean? I said, even the Quran tells you that Jesus was a true prophet. Didn't it tell you that? Yeah, it does. It says he was a true prophet. What do true prophets do? Do they lie or tell the truth? They tell the truth. I said, you know what Jesus prophesied about himself? I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. You got a problem. You should have seen the look on her face. Every time I witness to a Muslim, I ask them if they know the Quran. I talk about this very truth. Do you know Jesus was a true prophet? Your Bible, your Quran, excuse me, actually even says so. Oh, yeah, then you got a problem. Because if he's a true prophet, what he said is the truth. And that means you need Jesus. Romans chapter 1. You still here tonight? 16 and 17. Let me send you out on a good note. I'm not ashamed, not like any of this should have been bad. I'm not ashamed of what? Tell me. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why, please. It is the power 
of God. What is the gospel? It's the power of God to what? Salvation. Why is the gospel the power of God to salvation? Because the Holy Spirit, the power of God, waits on the word to be spoken. Just like at creation. He's just waiting for the word to move. You listening? What's the gospel? Tell me what's the gospel. Shout it out loud. No, 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 no. Shout it out loud. Well, if we got good news to tell, why wouldn't we? Why are we so afraid to tell people good news? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto what? Salvation. Notice, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 17, for in it, the, the gospel, the righteousness of God, the gift of righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall do what? If we live by faith, what does that mean? The just shall live by faith. If I'm already born again in this setting, what does that mean? If, that if I am born again, I'm living by faith. I'll tell you how you live by faith. You ready? You trust what God said and you go do what God said. If you live by faith, you trust what he said and you go do what he said. What did he say to go do? Go preach the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. What's the fourth key? Come on, what's the fourth key to revealing the Father? Stop being ashamed of the gospel. Why would, be, why would we be ashamed of good news? Why would, be, why would we ever be ashamed? Why would we ever be fearful in any aspect of talking to people about good news? Well, I've tried it before. People don't receive it. Shake the dust off your feet and move on because there's still people that want to hear it. Well, I'm just not that good at being a witness. I'm going to tell you again, you're an excellent witness. You're an excellent witness. Has anybody in this room ever gone to a restaurant that you ate at for the first time you'd never been to? And man, you found out this is one good restaurant. Raise your hand if anybody here has ever done that. Well, guess what you most likely did? Told some friends, you ever been to that restaurant? What are you doing? Witnessing. You're being a witness. Anybody here born again and happy about it? Well, you got good news to tell. Have you ever come to know my Jesus? Have you ever come to receive the peace that passes all understanding? That's good news. Have you ever come to receive the joy of the Lord in your heart? That will give you great strength? Have you ever come to receive the salvation that God offers you to get reunited with the Father, have His presence within you, and everywhere you go, He'll never leave you nor forsake you, be with you forever? This is good news. Why would be ashamed or in any way afraid to share this with other people? I guarantee you what? For most believers, I don't think as much shame as it is laziness. We're covering our light up. What are we covering our light up? Our own lives. Our own choices. Our own decisions. What we want to do. Church. Church. The sixth reason Jesus came is to reveal the Father through me and you. And the world won't see him without us doing what Jesus did. The works of the Father. That includes sharing the context, the gospel of being what? Of salvation. Of how to get right with God. And all you got to do is share your story. Love on people. Listen to them. If you hear stuff going on in their life, you know God's done something about, or something about that, which every situation they're dealing with, God's done something about it. Tell them. I'll guarantee you'll be, you'll be amazed how many people you'll come in contact with that have gone through stuff you're going, or going through stuff that you've gone through. Right. Facing stuff that you've that you faced. Right. And God's brought you through it. You got good news. Yes. I said, you got good news to tell them. Right. Hey, you know what? I've experienced it. Hey, you know what? I have family members that have gone through this. I know believers in my church that, but you know what? God will bring you through it. He'll bring you through it. And if you'll let me pray for you and believe with you in Jesus' name, we'll believe for the manifestation of God's glory and power to come. And guess what? He'll bring you into the light. And then remove the darkness from your life. Do you know what would happen if the church really started doing this? Churches would start to grow again. Don't get mad at me. Don't throw nothing. So it's going to quit on a positive note. This is a positive note. Churches would start to grow again. Why our church is not growing very much today? They're not witnessing. We're, we're not out after trying to get people to swap from one church to another. No. You listening? That's not our target. Our target's the sinners who don't know Jesus. Are we fixed in our lives like Jesus was? 
to say, I'm the light. As long as I'm here, I must do the works of the Father. Amen. Because there's coming a day. I said, there's coming a day. Yeah. It's actually not going to be day. It's going to be night. But an actual day of time when the true church, who knows how to yield to the Holy Spirit, will be lifted off the planet. Hallelujah. And it'll be a dark day. Mercy. Be a dark day. But thank God you and I are still the light. Yes. I said, we're still the light. As Jesus said, do what? Shine your light. So shine your light before men, before men, before men, before men. Quit being embarrassed to talk about Jesus. Don't just invite people to your church. Talk about salvation. Talk about healing. Talk about what Jesus did. You're never going to see the works of God working through your life until you start believing what Jesus said and start acting on what he said that I can do that. What if I pray for somebody they don't get healed? Not your responsibility. You listening? You want to explain to them and understand that they have to understand that you need to recognize clearly that you need to believe that Jesus not only can do this, but will do this. When it comes to praying for healing, it's really simple. I love what, what Brother Hagin said. He said, ministers got so mad at me, they said, you make this healing thing too easy. He said, no, I didn't. Jesus did. Amen. Comes down to two things. When you minister to somebody in this area, it comes down to two things. Do you believe God's able to do this? Now, if they say no, you're, already, you're at a stopping point. But you know, most will say, oh yeah, I believe God can do it. Second question, do you believe he will? Because if you know he can and you believe he will, what if they don't believe he will? This is where scripture comes in. And you start showing them that Jesus clearly wants them well. Can I get a better amen? And if you get them to the place where they believe that he will... All you got to do now is lay hands on them. They're a conduit to suck that power right in. Amen. And all you got to tell them is, guess what? The Lord is with me. His presence is in me. The very same presence of God. Don't say anointing. They have no idea what you're talking about if they're a sinner. The very same presence of God. They'll get that. The presence of God that was on Jesus is in me. And he's here to do the same work. And he sent me in this earth to do this very thing. That's why I'm here. It's why you met me today. That's why you ran into me today. And if you believe he can and will, he'll do it right now. Amen. He'll do it right now. Can I get a better amen? amen. Let's do the works of Jesus. Amen. Let's, excuse me, works of the Father, which is still the works of Jesus because he did the works of the Father. Let's do what? Let's reveal the Father to the world amen. like never before. Amen. Let's get serious about it. Amen. Let's get dedicated to it. Yes. Let's look for opportunity. Yes. I said, let's look for opportunity. That's the biggest thing you need to do every day is start waking up and looking for opportunity. What are you looking for opportunity to do? Reveal the Father. Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.